podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello and welcome back to The Fear of God, a whole new year, a whole renewed fear of God. Find all your favorite foggy paraphernalia at thefearofgodpodcast.com. Listen, every week here in the fog, we explore what scares us to find what saves us. And by we, I mean me, one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse. And me, your other host, Reed Lackey. Reed, welcome. (laughs) Look at you. You You're not hiding off gallivant and doing something this and that. No, Um, no, not this week. I'm glad you're finally, you know, on top of things. Reed, this week... Not only are we embarking upon our annual foray into the horror films of the previous year, starting today with When Evil Lurks, but today we are also joined by a parade of pals, a festival of foggy friends. Reed, join me, please, in welcoming back to the show from Van Ryder Games, developers of our favorite Solo Plus board game, Final Girl, AJ Porfirio and Evan Derrick. AJ and Evan, welcome back, gentlemen. Hey, hey guys, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for hanging out. Additionally, along for the ride is the Fog's own gory gamer, Matt Murray. Matt, welcome. Hey, thank you. Uh, Just a quick favor, if you guys have just a couple minutes. I have something that I have to move. Uh, If someone has a a pickup truck, um, should, you know, just a couple guys should be able to take it out. Um, It's a little squishy. (laughs) It's a little smelly, but... (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass. I have a oh dentist appointment. <laughs> <laughs> sure, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be right over. I love helping. Did someone say leaking human body? Sign me up. Uh, speaking of, we're going to get to this insane movie here. But uh, AJ and Evan. Uh, I know Reed and Matt and myself, as well as our listeners, would love to hear how things are going on the progress of season three of final girl um specifically y'all have done this a couple times now just you know this go round, has there been anything different anything unexpected any surprises uh in the process this go round? there are always surprises (laughs) (laughs) share some behind Uh, the scenes with us yeah no i think i mean overall things are going pretty great it's we you know this is the third time around we know what we're doing pretty well um but we like to try new things and, and push ourselves and it's never kind of a, a cookie cutter copy, so to speak. So even though we've got the boxes designs down and the format of the product, there's always challenges and different things. So we're, we are we're working through some of that. I, I, I still feel like things are going well. We're, we're on track, um, but it's still a long way till you know October or estimated delivery time, and a lot can happen. Um, Evan, I know, has been doing a lot with art, so he might have some 
some surprises or whatnot <laughs> from that perspective. But uh, uh, this time around, I had to manage seven different artists doing over like three, four hundred pieces of art and sculpts wow. and all this kind of stuff. So that was fun. It, but it's it's all we're basically at the finishing line right now. So we're doing. <laughs> it's so boring <laughs> this sounds like we're doing like file layout and like quality <laughs> control and like checking we'll spend aj and i'll spend a week in a room looking at every freaking card and going over the wording on everything and arguing <laughs> with each other over whether we should use the word this or that uh, <laughs> you guys have heard how glamorous game making so, is right yeah yeah <laughs> so when you talk about like surprises it's like actually pretty boring manufacturing stuff sure it's all it's all fun and games it's all how the uh, sausage, how the sausage gets made is never very sexy mm-hmm. sure and and you know you got to get the wording right because you know y'all are game makers the three of us here and i know y'all share this are, are game players and so we know we know players and they are very scrutinizing what particular and, yeah, no, very particular, a very no, particular brew. <laughs> well, oh, we are we are thankful for for what you do. Happy to support you guys and and keep playing this solo plus game uh, of Final Girl. I must um, share before we move yeah, on. I please. must share very briefly because I also um, received the 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 special feature box, the uh, North Pole Nightmare. Played it. Over Christmas time, uh, I was very happy that against all odds, I actually won my first right. game playing it. I won for the like the first time I uh, uh, matched up with Krampus, uh, despite the pesky little elves constantly chewing up my time. I actually, uh, I actually managed to defeat him. But it was like it was like the perfect epic Christmas miracle game. Santa showed up. The Santa character showed up. Uh, it was. Uh, it was amazing. So it was uh, it was gleeful, and I just I just felt very proud because I have never, literally never, in all the iterations of Final Girl that I've played, I have never fought a monster for the first time and won. But Krampus gifted me this little this That's little right. Christmas miracle, just by the luck of the 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 dice and all the special features. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. That is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, uh, I was worried you were going to say something like you missed a rule read and and you had to choose whether to continue. Oh no. Oh no! No no no! Did you I'm play big. as uh, Mrs. Claus or or Cindy? I played as Mrs. Claus the first time. I wanted for my first time out. I wanted like the the, right. the most North Pole centric yeah. experience um, mm-hmm. to do, and uh, and I did pull up the as my background music for it. I pulled up the soundtrack to Michael Doherty's Krampus and played that in the background while I was playing the game. And so yeah, it was it was a whole lot of fun. That was that was a super cool set. My favorite. Uh, thing to do now that I have the North Pole as the location is just to wreak havoc with all the rest of the monsters. You know, like <laughs> I, I haven't gotten to it yet, but I'm especially excited <laughs> to do the organism at the yes. North Pole. That's that's going to be fun. All those pesky little elves. Oh, it's going to be great. <laughs> Assimilated elves. What could be better? <laughs> oh, it's great. Anyway, that yes, is, that is awesome, listeners. If you're utterly unclear what we're talking about please look up van rider games final girl it's a fantastic uh fantastic world to get into and we're happy uh aj and evan are here and now that we've got you here aj and evan we're going to be amazing hosts and we're going to leave you sitting here for a few minutes while we pop into a segment exclusively for our patrons where we're beginning a tv guide post run of discussing mike flanagan's netflix series the fall 
of the House of Usher. So y'all sit tight. We will be right back. So (laughs) about this movie, we are here today, ladies and gentlemen, to discuss uh, the film that got a tremendous amount of attention uh, last year. I don't know if there I mean, for for our particular crew, it's probably a lot of people who have heard of this film, Um, but it was from writer director. I'm going to make my best attempt at this name, writer director uh, Demian Rugna, and it is the film When Evil lurks this is quite quite the film um i want to start by deferring to our guests but each of us will go in turn and just say like uh how did you hear about this film how did you encounter this film and uh broadly and briefly what did you think about this film when you watched it so uh aj and or evan take it away i'll go first because it's going to kind of go down the line but i because i learned about it from evan Mm. so we were, you know, we were talking as we do um, about different things, and I think somehow from now or from time to time, the movie The Strangers comes up because it's one I really love, and yeah, didn't quite land for Evan, um, and but you know we talk about the, the themes of it and how the bad guys kind of win, and spoiler alert, hopefully everyone's seen <laughs> The Strangers. <laughs> if you haven't, where have you been? But. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so he was kind of thought he kind of thought of this this movie, had, you know, having some similarities in terms of kind of how everything goes and just how the movie makes you feel, and so he recommended it to me. Am I am I getting this wrong? I think you're mixing that up with another movie. Oh, <laughs> well, it was the same They're, day then. <laughs> you were right. It was the same day. I'm okay. trying to think of what the other movie is that I liken to The Strangers. It oh. wasn't this one. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> one part about that that was true is that evan is the one that recommended it to me see there's there's that what did you uh, let him tell you why (laughs) (laughs) before we move to before we move to evan real quick aj a more direct question is um as as you're able without a ton of granular detail uh how did how did you feel about it you you regret the recommendation or excited to talk about it or oh yeah no i'm excited to talk about it i i think it was a good recommendation I definitely enjoyed it. I, I kind of, I guess I'll, we do final thoughts later. Maybe I should yeah, say yeah. some mm-hmm. opinions, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, Evan, uh, as the uh, grand recommender on our, on our collective here, uh, how did you first hear about when evil lurks? Uh, real quick, the movie you I were mixing up with the strangers <laughs> is speak no evil. Okay. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that one is okay. very similar. The bad guys to win. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, this one, I found out about it from another a game designer friend online who posts about movies all the time, and he mentioned it and said it was amazing, and I didn't read anything about it at all, so Ooh. I knew nothing other than the poster of the woman with the getting ready to hit herself in the head with the axe. Um. Yeah. And I sat down and watched it with my two oldest children because I was just like, I don't know what this is at all. It's supposed to be really freaky. Let's watch it. Uh, About 20 minutes in, there's this scene that we will probably discuss and we all know exactly what scene it is. My daughter, who's 17, goes, 
I don't like this movie. <laughs> yes. And I was like, that's because it's a real scary movie. That's true. It's actually terrifying you right now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's oh. how I found out about it. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, Matt, how did you come to it? You've, you and I and some of the other foggers have had a lot of discourse about this through the through the past few months. How did you first hear about this? Uh, yeah, I don't remember exactly. It was just kind of, uh, it felt like kind of the it horror movie of the fall kind of thing, kind of like Barbarian the year before. And so, um, didn't know much about it, just heard it was, uh, quite an experience. And so went into it just knowing that, and, uh, it is in fact quite a, quite the experience and, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's, it's wild, you know, compared, I, you know, last time, uh, the Van Ryder guys were on. I think we did Barbarian, mm-hmm. and this feels like Barbarian is kind of like the fun kind of horror movie, <laughs> yep. and this one is like the grim, gory, uh, soul sucking uh, horror side of things. So this is not definitely the other side of the coin. <laughs> no, I, I would not call this. I mean, it's a very it's a very affecting film. Uh, I would even go uh, without resignation, say it's a great film. Uh, fun is not an adjective I would include in the, <laughs> in the conversation around this movie. Um, let me see. I'll go next, Nathan. I'll let you close off. So um, I uh, had heard rumblings about this film when it had made the festival circuit. And so I had heard rumblings coming out of the atmosphere about, uh, you know, oh, this is the, the, uh, director's previous film, I think his previous feature, because he's done a couple of other things, but his previous feature was Terrified, uh, which was a film that had made a lot of different waves and I saw and had really enjoyed. So I was a little front loaded to say, OK, I know this guy's sensibilities. I know kind of what he gets into and uh, very, very curious to see this. And then I was able to see it. I got a, a, a mildly advanced screener of it and got to see it a couple of weeks before it landed on Shutter, which is, I think, the primary home you can rent it video on demand and all that but um i think shutter has it available for their streaming service and i remember i watched it one night kind of late at night and everybody was asleep and i was the idiot who watches these kind of things with all the lights off and uh yeah the 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 scene if we're thinking of the same scene uh the scene where that evan uh kind of briefly brushed past and, and referenced i was like i'm a, okay i'm I'm going to just refresh my drink and maybe I'll turn the lamp on and maybe I'll leave it on uh, while I <laughs> <laughs> while I in, in, enjoy the rest of this uh, film. That just feels prudent. So, yeah, I I mean, it is uh, it's a very thought provoking film and it's a very powerful film. We're going to get into a lot more specifics here uh, pretty, pretty soon. But uh, but yeah, that was my encounter with it. And my final note before I pivot to Nathan is it did wind up topping my list when i finalized my list of the 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 best horror films that i saw this year i gave uh when evil lurks the top spot it was some tough competition i liked a lot of the films that that came out this year but i couldn't get any of the others to override the affecting power that when evil lurks had had on me when i had seen it so uh that's me with it nathan take it away i i will uh risk being that guy for a moment and say that for me right now the hype ran away with the movie for me mm. um now tonally because i i was late to the winnie Bullerks party um i just watched it the, for the first time for this conversation um tonally it's fantastic like just it does have that gritty energy to it but not in a, a off-putting gritty kind of way just in a like grim uh is the word that's been used and i think that's appropriate here um and and in many ways more than delivers on its premise for me 
by the end of it, I felt a little, a little lost in its, in its kind of mythology. And so, you know, what, whereas this first opening 40 minutes or so holds a whole lot of promise and, and, you know, some pretty jaw dropping, I mean, literally if, if we're all talking about, you know, Vicky, I mean, my jaw literally dropped in that scene. Um, uh, but by the end of it, I was like, yeah, it went from extreme promise to all right. Yeah. Okay. That, that was kind of my, my vibe for when evil works currently, but that said, I am interested to, and, and have been anticipating this conversation for the purposes of, you know, kind of hearing people talk about it and reflect on it and, you know, find, uh, some more stuff in it than perhaps it held for me on first go round. But that said, I mean, you know, we've all just like pointed to some stuff here. Let's, let's, let's be real guys. Cause d- don't forget we are a horror show. So if it's gory, if it's gross, if it causes you a fright, it is time for the part of the show that we round here call that ain't right. sure as hell ain't right so this is the part of the program where we talk about things that we call that ain't right i.e it's nasty it makes you squirm it makes you wince it makes you squint your eyes it it, you curl up like pick your thing gentlemen uh that you would identify as the absolute most that ain't right before we get to it i want reed uh in my haste to talk about the nastiness inherent in this film (laughs) neglected but Reed, will you please read us a brief summary of When Evil Lurks? Yeah, this is a pretty uh, brief, as the de- appropriate descriptor summary, but it, it gives the highlights. So in a remote village, two brothers find a demon-infected man just about to give birth to evil itself. They decide to get rid of the man, but merely succeed in helping him to deliver the Inferno. Uh, yeah, yes. that's, uh, okay. To the point, And there it is. Uh, there it is. Um, I'm going to start with Evan, uh, because we started with AJ, then Evan, we're going to go in reverse order here. Evan, as you look at your list, as you think about this movie and you were to pick the thing that exemplifies that ain't right. What are you going to, what are you going to pick? I mean, the first scene we were talking about, it's just for shock value, but it all happens off screen. So I'll let someone else pick that and instead pick a scene near the end of the movie <laughs> where, where I believe it's uh, his wife or his dead possessed corpse of a wife uh, mm-hmm. who is kidnapped their young son Santino and is literally eating him as she walks down the road. <laughs> <laughs> Get a candy. Yep. And it's again, they don't linger on it, but you get a like a brief, like just out of your peripheral vision, her munching on an arm or something. And then I think he runs over. I, it, anyway, that was just like, oh God. Oh, well, yes. To add some extra flavor to that, you know, Santino surprise is it's not much on an arm. She is carrying that kid's body and scooping out his. Oh, yeah. You know, 
Yeah. Cranial mm-hmm. matter. That's why I looked like a Halloween bucket to me. It was like, yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> to the point that when you see it the first time, I was like, no, that is not what is happening. It's so peripheral. So I discovered reading through the, because I watched this movie a few months ago and reading through the Wikipedia entry, I realized I had forgotten most of it. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, genuinely forgotten most of the film because only, but those one or two scenes stand out. Like they were so shocking and (laughs) like truly horrifying that it's like it blotted out all the rest of the film. And all I can remember <laughs> is this woman eating her child. And mm-hmm. that's it. That's all I remember. It was that upsetting. Yeah. And then I was reading the week. I was like, oh, yeah, that happened. And that happened. <laughs> and that happened. And I completely forgot about the rest of this movie. All oh, I man. remember is the baby eating scene. Oh, man. It's a it's a mess. It's a mess. That well, that ain't no, right. It really it's, is a mess. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, AJ, what about you? Well, my that ain't right is also my probably favorite scene in the movie, which is I think the guy was the guy's name Armando with the goats. Yes. Yes. So mm-hmm. goats. So Armando goes out right, and they're like something's wrong with one of the goats, and <laughs> you know they see this goat, and um, I actually didn't know this. I actually found out later but the goat the way they knew the goat was the possessed one was that was one of the goats that was like i think dead in the in the one of the scenes in the beginning of the movie oh i didn't think about that i think by the first cleaner or whatever or something like that but because i was like how do they know or i was looking for something different and it kind of just looked like a goat and of course was staring at them so and then all the other ones run off and so armando like goes out there he's like i kill it i'm kill it with the shotgun and the the wife is like, no, don't do it. Like, do not kill it because we've alluded to it. But the rules kind of the movie establishes is you do not kill the rotten. Like, or you do not shoot the rotten, right? You don't. Yeah. You do not shoot firearms, firearm, gunpowder, whatever. <laughs> so he's holding the gun. She's like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. And he, you can see he's getting ready to do it and cut to her. She kind of runs back and grabs an ax. And I'm like, oh man, she's going to, she's going to kill it with the ax. Yeah. Like, cool. And so. <laughs> You know, then Armando just can't help himself and he bam blows the goat away and like literally immediately boom she like nails him with the axe to the face and I I was just like oh my god like, but not only that so that happens and I'm like I, I did the whole like when you see the memes in the movie we're like oh that was me like in the inside and then, so he's like drops dead or whatever and she immediately like kneels down and what I now realize to be actually all of these actions are an act of her heroics because she is killing the getting rid of the demon from being able to spread and she just starts clubbing herself in the face with the axe, like, oh my gosh, like full on, you see everything. That ain't right. Yeah, that ain't right. <laughs> you got it. That ain't right. Cool. That ain't right. <laughs> At all. That's an epic sequence. It really is. True, true story. Matt, why don't you uh why don't you go next? Yeah, um, there was one clear uh, moment for me once the, the movie ended. And that's someone who's had a toddler and a dog in the same house at the, at the same time. <laughs> I mean, you can't get away from the Vicky scene. And they don't pull any punches. You know, you think after the first lunge, like, okay, we're not going to see anything else. But then you see 
the dog ragdolling her and dragging her by her head out out the house and um, yeah that that one is and you know it's coming too you can tell the dog goes over and smells his clothes and and you can they kind of linger on the dog a little bit and so it's coming it's building the dread and then the payoff is even more horrific than you imagined so that there is not right no not at all there has <laughs> been a much shared image surrounding this film and it is merely of uh, and it's not a scene. It's not a shot from the actual film. It's it's a it's like promotional, promotional still. still so, yeah. yeah, and yeah. it's of Vicky standing next to that dog, and they're just both looking at the camera. The you know Vicky is not smiling or anything. She's just standing there with the leash, looking at the at the camera with the dog. And like whenever I see that image, I just like chills. I'm just like, oh, okay, all right. And it's a completely innocuous image. But if you've seen the film, you're just like, ah, no, thank you. <laughs> Oh my what I find interesting when the new husband right goes mm-hmm. and he's like chasing after him, and you, and then the main guy I forgot his name runs Pedro. after and finally finds him, and you see like him from his viewpoint like way far away, and he's about to kill the dog right. Mm-hmm. They they like are super like we're not gonna we can't show a close up on the dog dying like it's but they'll show like a human like axing themselves in oh. the face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. This is how precious people yeah. are about animals and I get it, right? Like mm-hmm. yeah, no, you can't you can't go close up on that dog getting killed. Uh, <laughs> no. I, don't no. Know. I, I find that kind of stuff like interesting about yeah. a little bit says about our society these days. Yeah. Yeah, and what's even more so interesting about that to me is a, I, I agree with you. I think that I think that's a, a notable point. Uh, but f that goat, like they they showed all that goat, like that goat just <laughs> just like nobody nobody has fond goats feelings. Are evil. <laughs> Kids' <laughs> brains fine. That's right. Goat, cool. Don't show the dog. Like, no, don't no, no, no. Show Enjoy. us the dog. <laughs> we can't tolerate it. Oh, it's so true. People um, love their dogs, man. They do. They do. Uh, Nathan, I'm going to defer to you. Go ahead and, and give us one of your uh, that okay. end rights. Well, I, I, I wanted to see how far we got with these, and I, I want to offer a, a, a thought here. I think the brilliance of the dog sequence is, Matt, and you said it, it's you know something mm-hmm. is coming. Like mm-hmm. that, from a just film craft standpoint, that's the strength of that scene is just the the ratcheting tension of like, they're all fighting the parents are um you know vicky and the dog are just you've seen the dog inhale this you you know these clothes he's discarded and you just know like i don't know exactly what is going to happen but i know something is going to happen and it is not going to be good and then even when it happens you're like oh oh my god like my my jaw dropped um and i will say for me there's there's a lot of strong elements in this scene but but AJ, your note about the the goat and the axing, that might be the strongest just 30 seconds in the movie. Like it it is because one thing you might have forgotten there is he is alarmed into pulling the trigger. It's not a willful act in that moment. I can't remember exactly what happens, but something happens that startles him, and that's why he pulls the trigger. And and then that to your point, that immediate axe to the face in the same frame, uh mm-hmm. uh is just just a fantastic i mean it's dreadful um it's funny reed you went we we went into evil lurks uh went into when evil lurks and you had texted me <laughs> because because i had uh, again part part overhype in the the horror zeitgeist part me psyching myself up for this movie 
I had really kind of worked myself up like, oh man, this is going to be rough. And it, and it's, don't get me wrong. It's, it's got some dreadful aspects to it, but I remember reading, you'll recall this, you texted, you're like, I don't know, Nathan, you've, you've come a long way in seven years. Like, don't, it's you know, true. <laughs> it's, it's, you might be okay here. <laughs> that said y'all name drop speak no evil a few minutes ago. That that's, that is a dreadful movie. I don't want to watch that movie again. Um, <laughs> nope. That ain't right. Um, is speak no evil, but also oh, give me height. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I think for me of uh, looking at what remains on the board here, I got to be honest. If I interpreted the scene correctly, it's uh, just the the discovery that old what's his face, the oldest son coughs up mm. grandma. You know, mm. I yes. mean that's that my mm. honorable mention. Like there, <laughs> yes, there's. <clears throat> few things nastier in a movie than human hair there's few things nastier in a movie than human hair entangled with guts and entrails but then you take it and you just remove it from the mouth of another human and that's mm. just a you you've you <laughs> know it's like times. it's like taking the mallet to the the carnival thing that that little you know sort of thing goes all the way up to the bell on that that ain't right <laughs> oh that's, yeah well and to your point nasty to your point the implication like it's gross sure. even if it was just you know uh, an accident of some sorts but you know the implication that it's like uh no as a matter of fact that means uh you know guess who he had for dinner is just not it, it, yeah it's completely well, because to your point it just begs the imagination of like so so how do you do it you know it's like did we was there cooking involved was it just straight raw wow. grandma you know like I don't know. I'm just telling you what the movie invites. You know, don't shoot the messenger. I mean, that Welcome comment to- alone tells you he's come a long way. Let's be honest. <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite true. Welcome to uh, 2024 Fear of God, where we uh, incite the phrase raw grandma, and you're going <laughs> like, to. What grandma is. cooked or eaten raw? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like, that's just, no. Yeah, when evil lurks, grandma gets oh, gone. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, um man i feel like there's uh there's at least three or four more that are ripe for the taking for myself i'm gonna go with the one uh that is uh, it, it it got under my skin again this was my second time seeing this and so i was uh emotionally braced for most of the jarring sequences that I, I knew okay well i'm gonna see this thing again visually but i know it's coming Something that still got on uh not not in an annoying way but it got on my nerves, under my skin, whatever the appropriate idiom there is, is that it was uh, it basically was the scene where uh, Myrta, who is the only person in this universe who has a shot at defeating this thing, she begs Pedro, don't listen to them, like, stay here with me, it's a trap, don't listen to them. And then, of course, we'll get into this more perhaps in theme, Pedro uh, thinks he knows better, is a very impulsive kind of controlling individual and so he runs out to try to grab the axe to try to take more power and when he runs out her screams come from the other room but that wasn't even the part that really got to me it's that then when he looks through the window and sees that they are dragging her but it was the i think if there's music underneath this it is a very low dull drone there is not uh, an accent of of music underneath this as uh, one of the children just 
as casually as mm-hmm. you would, you know, just move aside a piece of paper or something like that keeps driving the hammer in to the forehead. And again, it is it is the clinical tone of the scene that gets under my skin. There's so much in this film that is accented and is startling and is jarring. But that one got to me because it is so cold and it is so just direct in its unfeeling, unflinching. You're done. Like this is over. You, mm-hmm. you, you made the choice. No going back now. I'll mention this. I thought about this the very first time I saw this film. I think I might have even written it up in my first review. Dante's Divine Comedy uh, in the in the entrance to hell above the entrance to hell is the inscription "Abandon hope, all you who enter here." And the tagline on When Evil Lurks is uh, cut from a similar sensibility. The tagline on When Evil Lurks just says, "There's no point in praying," and I'm like, hmm. "Wow!" <laughs> like, and that's the that's the tonal approach that this film takes, um, and and it is exhibited very much in a, in the scene that I just described, where it's just like, "Yep, well, we won, we got you." Now it's all just a matter of playing things out the way that you know you had a fighting chance a minute ago. You don't any longer, and uh, oof, oof, it is, it ain't right. So yeah, that's mine. I feel like as we exit, that ain't right. It got name dropped. Uh, or he got referenced before our that ain't right segment, but just honorable mention for Leaky Boy, you know, Ariel and the. <laughs> it's, it's awful. Y'all's y'all's just synchronous, huh? That's name in the credits. Yeah, yeah Leaky Boy. <laughs> All right. Well, did you squirm? Yes. Did you wince? Yes. Did you squint your eyes real tight? Yes. Did you leak? Maybe. It's probably because of what we around here called. That ain't right. That sure as hell ain't right. <laughs> Man. Yeah. You, you just, well, let's let's linger with Leaky Boy for just a second. Just listen, <laughs> if, the, if, the, if there's a moment in this, this film... This film is utterly humorless. I mean, it is utterly humorless. That's so but, funny. But the clo- but the closest it comes, the closest it came for me, because I did I did do a little bit of a uh, <laughs> is after you know they drag Myrta away and Pedro is just in there, you know, oh, the, and, the, and, the and, head. and then the hand That was classic. It's, it's not even his whole head. It's just like the top of no. it here, and he's just like he's like. Hey. You're, I mean, you know, <laughs> when evil lurks, he's got some comic timing there. I mean, that, that was great. Oh when God. evil leaks, oh, <laughs> that was the working title. <laughs> oh, <God>. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, that is hysterical. Oh, that's the comedy oh, version. When evil leaks. Oh my yeah, god. god. <laughs> Good luck pivoting out of that, Reed. They would have no. been calling him Leaky Boy in the subtitles, I'd have just lost it. <laughs> Man. Well something something uh something that I did find interesting and this is this I I appreciated this about the film's approach in general is that everybody in this world I'll say it this way. I'll preface it this way. There's always this part of 
many horror films with uh, extensive mythologies that I despise where somebody has to do a Google search or somebody has to call a professor or something. It's like, okay, well, what's really going on here? What's happening here? The way this film, I feel, smartly avoids that is just all the characters just know. Everybody in this film just knows this is a situation. This is what we're dealing with. So we got to do this. And so they they play out for us. They give us the material that we need to understand the context for what's happening simply by conversing about what needs to happen next. There's no big scene where somebody is like, oh, my God, what is the mystery here and what's really happening? They just, And I, I, I found that so rare. I can in this moment not remember another film recently that did that where you just from the beginning of the film, everybody in this community just understands the context for what's happening. And they just simply are going about the process of trying to to combat it. But what I found interesting is, so I saw uh, in, in a little bit of uh, extra reading, I saw that the filmmaker got the inspiration for this by hearing about, um, and I, I, I should have written it down so that I could cite this more directly. It was some sort of ecological disaster where there was either a chemical plant nearby or there was something that was uh, steadily poisoning the water of this nearby town this nearby community and it lodged in the director's mind the way that it just seeped into everything so you couldn't really combat it the way you could like even if you brought down the villain your water's still poisoned like you couldn't do anything about it and i found that incredibly fascinating when thinking about this problem because the film is fantastical it deals with language of demons and and faith and all this other sort of stuff but uh, it, it was smart, I felt, that the film tackled that problem of, well, what do you do when it is just so widespread and so in the roots of everything that it's not as simple as, oh, we got to kill the head vampire or, oh, we got to bring down this monster or do this. It's just everywhere. I found that really, really compelling, um, especially because, you know, not to suddenly stop all the laughter, but especially because of how many things we've seen transpire where either they have just been allowed to propagate for decades whether they be the the mishandling we, we just watched uh, for a little bit more specific context um my wife and i just finished a recent netflix show called painkiller that was about the opioid epidemic and it felt like it was like the fifth or sixth film slash tv show about the opioid epidemic that we'd seen in the last couple of years so i only bring it up to reference a crisis like that where it is still happening like there is a a, a a a proverbial villain to point to but that problem is not going away even if the villain is held to account like that problem is here you know to stay until we can truly make systemic change uh in the midst and so this film feels like it's interested in exploring the limitations of our control and the limitations of our influence when problems are so uh, ubiquitously uh, so widespread. Yeah, along those lines, the movie throws you right into the world. In fact, I spent a lot of time wondering if I had started the movie like 30 minutes in sure because <laughs> it just you just get right in and then they're explaining all of, they just talk about this as if you should understand all the rules of the world and the demonic possession and all this kind of stuff and i kept wondering if it was a cultural or an argentinian thing where 
like they just kind of get that this is how demon possession works. Mm. And Mm. because I'm not familiar with that cultural context, I'm like playing catch up as if um, like, for example, consider vampires. We all know vampires are murdered with steaks. They drink (laughs) blood. They are burned by sunlight so much so that any movie about vampires is just doesn't even need to explain that stuff because it's such a clear part of the cultural dialogue but if someone had never even heard of vampires and watched a vampire movie and they're like wait why is the guy burning up in the sunlight like (laughs) right that's how i felt watching this movie and i felt like i do i am i supposed to understand why this how this all works Mm because i why you can't use a gun to kill the goat like because i don't understand at all yeah yeah, and that's uh, that's probably worth noting. So the rules that they mentioned for how to to not make this thing worth the 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 rules for dealing with the rotted um, uh, rule number one is you can't use electric lights because the shadows uh, draw the the evil in. You have to stay away from animals. You have to do no harm to the rotted possessed thing. Uh, don't take anything close to them because then they'll attach to it, a la the clothes that we mentioned earlier. Uh, never say the devil or demon's name because that calls them. Uh, never use a gun because it says you'll die yourself. And then the last one, the last rule, which is kind of posed as a sort of a big reveal late in the film, is don't be afraid of dying. Um, you you can't fear death because it uses that fear to fuel its power. And it uses that that fear it's again something that drew me back into something like the the um, something akin to like the opioid crisis or something where the problem is so big because even cutting yourself off from it creates new problems and and you know trying to stop it in a in a misguided way will simply exacerbate the problem and I found that really really interesting that this film explores that um, in, in, that it's like yeah and that's part of Pedro's problem. Pedro's problem is he feels like, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to make them tell me where this guy is. I'm going to make them do this. I'm going to uh, he 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 believes he has more power and he believes he has more control than he really does. And that in this film is ultimately one of his primary undoings, because every single time he tries to seize control for himself, he winds up doing something that just further spreads the problem. Um, anyway, that's so- um so for Nathan, me, Matt, yeah, AJ. I like I like the, the delivery of the rules. How they kind of you learn them throughout the movie, right? It's not like you know, like Evan's saying, you're like, wait, what? You don't really understand, and it's kind of kind of teaching you as you go, either through people's actions or their words. Um, mm-hmm. However, I do. It is a little bit of a con to me from the standpoint of it's like you have all these rules. So this has happened before, and people have dealt with it, and it's like this. To have all these rules by virtue of that means this is something that people have dealt with and it's been and there's cleaners. There's this whole thing around this. Right. Like, but it's also nothing can stop it. Right. So it's like, which is it It, to the point where like the grandma, when she's singing the song, it's like there's a freaking song about it. Like, (laughs) like, how serious is it really when you're like singing this song to like your kids? Like, you know what I mean? Like some of that lost me a little bit because it's like and like that breaks down a little bit because like the movie presents it as like no at least in the frame of reference we're giving the the characters we're given are not able none of them to uh, successfully contain this this thing right so yeah 
I, I kind of like waffle a little bit. Like I like the, I like the lore of it, but I, I don't know when you dig into it, I start, it starts to fall apart a little bit, at least for me. Yeah. I think, I think that I can't tell. And, and this is me being sincere. Like if the movie is this smart or not, uh, that's, that's me saying, I think there's a chance it is not, I'm de- uh, declaring it not, but you know, read you, something you said a minute ago and just sort of, because I'm with you, AJ. Like the the more the mythology started to to front load itself, the more I was like, "Daggum, this is complex." But I almost think that the futility is the point. And what maybe tells me this more than I realized the first time is remember the contraption Murta's building. Mm-hmm. How like this is my word for it. The movie does not pass this judgment. How silly it is. And I think that's kind of the point. Is it's like, hey viewer, what do you even think is going to happen? Like there, if there's a brilliant turn to the film, it's the fact that it is, it is over when it begins. Yeah. And I think a lot about, uh, with storytelling years ago, um, little random here, but Jeff Smith, the creator of the bone graphic novel series, if anyone has ever read that, um, it's, I have. yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, and, and it's, it's, it features these three kind of fantastical creatures, the bone cousins, and even the first volume is called out from boneville. Well, these three characters start the story away from their home. And I remember reading interviews with Jeff Smith circa the time of the publication where he always want, he, he, he intentionally had the story begin with them away from their home because he didn't want to prop the, the reader up for the expectation they'd ever return to that because it wasn't about them getting back home. Even though the characters inside the story pined for home, the reader is not given that, context that geography that understanding because the the storytellers never planning to take them back there spoiler alert and and i think about that with this like we don't see the healthy version of this world ever it just starts rotten with with, with leaky boy and <laughs> <laughs> sorry and i think god we wrestle with this so much in the context of the society we're in these days and and uh, all of us here are parents and I think about this constantly and I think about, you know, read you to, to, to you, you reference an opioid epidemic just today. Y'all I was listening to, and listeners will have heard me reference it before, but your undivided attention podcast about technology and it's rampant, uh, getting away from us and then talking about, um, you know, the, the deep fake epidemic that is, that we are literally on the cusp of that is, that is here and, and is infiltrating high schools and, create like one of the most chilling things I've heard in quite a while was this professional, this expert saying, not only are we creating victims, we're also creating abusers in, in, in cycle and proliferating this problem and read to your point, like this movie is trying to paint a picture of it's here. I, I hate it's sort of hopelessness to it because at the same time, I think of my oft reference, Brian Stevenson, who charges us. We don't have a choice to be hopeless. Like the, and 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 just that constant wrestling as individuals with knowing the kid ate grandma, but I still got to put one foot in front of the other. You know, that's a really tough. <laughs> that's a really tough tension there. Even even more than Leaky Boy, the movie starts with <laughs> the dead cleaner. You know, so right. yeah. one person mm-hmm. who can solve the whole thing, you start with the corpse of that person. So um, and not just know, his corpse is yeah. this is bottom half part of, it, part of his corpse we don't know where that <laughs> is um so the i mean the the movie title almost f- feels like a question 
you know, when evil lurks, what happens? And it's, you know, nothing there good, you, go. you know, it's hopeless, the loss of hope. So, yeah, it, it definitely, um, I know, AJ, you mentioned like the song. The song kind of reminded me of like Ring Around the Rosie, which is about mm-hmm. like the plague. And and so it's funny how it, it has kind of like a folklore kind of style to it where um, there are rules that some people know, you know, like the, the grandma knows, the older people know. And uh, but some people you kind of hear about it, but you don't know what's true, what's not. And you feel like some of the rules might be true. Some of them might, might not be true. Like the the fact and fiction have kind of gotten blended in this world. Uh, but yeah, but the I mean, yeah, I think you're exactly right, though, that the, the whole point of it is that um, when evil is rampant, you know, there's no stopping it uh, one way or another. It's, it's going to uh, birth itself. So. I do actually find it very refreshing to have a possession movie where exorcism is not a solution. There's no right. prey. There's no, you know, it was interesting. You mentioned the tagline, but mm-hmm. like there's no praying. There's no God needs to save us. None of that. It's like there's realistic de- defined rules. You just have to follow them. So that, that part of it is interesting, right? Cause I, I mean, I don't know if I can think of any other possession movies that isn't about exercising the demon right through, through that. So that was interesting. I just wanted to, to bring that up. No, I, I'd like to piggyback off that just real quick. Just the, sorry, Nathan, I think you had a thought that I'll, I'll pivot to you, but um, I also really appreciated that, that there wasn't a big, um, I think it's important and we have too little of this, which is probably why I found this film so compelling. Um, we want to believe in our day-to-day life, not even in our fiction. We want to believe that our best intentions And eventually, our best efforts will simply win the day. And to the point, Nathan, that you made earlier about, you know, some efforts you don't really have a choice but to keep hoping for something better, uh, to keep hoping that your effort will not be in vain. But I do think there's some wisdom, if nothing else, than a sobering of our, our position, lest we think too highly of ourselves or our power, to recognize that sometimes even our best efforts are really futile against what the scope of the problem is not saying that you know a collective uh intention somewhere else might not be able to sort of finally root this out or overcome it over the long stretch of time but we're so individualistic in our thinking that we think like oh you know i'll be able to win this if i just do this this and this and i think it can be humbling in a good way as grim and bleak as that can be to recognize like yeah on one hand one human being can make a mountain of difference. On another hand, don't think too highly of yourself or your power to think that, you know, it's, I love uh, to bring in one more film and then I promise I'll hush. I just love this movie and I love talking about it. The, um, uh, the, towards the ending of the film and the novel, No Country for Old Men, Tommy Lee Jones's character is asking a trusted friend in that film, uh, how far should I take this? Basically, I'm not going to rehash the whole conversation, but how far should I take this? How much should I pursue this guy? How much should I keep going after it? And his friend looks at him and says, you can't stop what's coming. It's not all just waiting on you. That's vanity to think otherwise. I'm, I'm not quoting it verbatim because it's been a minute since I've seen that film, but that's the thought. Is basically, You can't stop this. This is not all just waiting on you. And I think there's a potency and a power. And part of why I appreciate this film is I think a part of why this of what this film is interested in is in a sobering, stiff drink of fictional water that says you, the individual, do not have the power you think you have. You do not have the control you think you have. And anytime your ego gets unbridled to the degree that you think it's all just waiting on you, take a step back and recognize that that, that there are some things you just have to be aware of. 
uh, and some things that are that are, require more than beyond the scope of your powers. Um, Nathan, I interjected before you had a chance to say your thing. What were you? You're good. Um, I, I don't know. I, th- I just think it can't. It, it feels uh, irresponsible to leave a conversation about this movie without at least pointing to some of the the sort of philosophical underpinnings of it. Because because one thing I do find impressive about it is the world of the film, the society of this film has sort of decided that the material is all there is such that they just mythologize anything else. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but like even when Pedro and his brother are trying to describe their experience with the rotten, like people don't believe them. Like it's, it's, it's sort of this like, okay, sure. You know, whatever you, you didn't really see that. That's not a thing. Um, and I just think there's something interesting at work in the movie about, I'm not trying to make some sort of fate statement, nor do I think the film is, but just this, like, there is something more <laughs> than just this, this crude matter, uh, to quote Yoda a little bit, to paraphrase Yoda and, and to pretend otherwise invites the ocean of evil to kind of have its way with us. Um, yeah. anyway, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a fascinating movie, even if, you know, I still might feel a little bit of hype overhype and, and li- listeners who decide to watch it might as well. But I do think it's, it's incredibly well made and and you know fascinating yeah. to talk about. To uh, to just uh, yes and and affirm one button point that you made about the philosophical underpinnings. There's one really uh, wonderfully scripted scene where they're driving to the place to where they believe the rotten is located, where where they believe he's housed, and Mirtha, the apparently last remaining cleaner in any vicinity is sharing her perspective on things i did find it interesting that more than once like a character will say like churches are dead and one straight out uh time myrta says like god is dead and what i found interesting about that is she was talking about how she and her husband were they called she called them shepherds that they were leaders of this like religious congregation and that they were frauds she doesn't go into a great bit of detail about what they were doing, but they hired actors who were performative for whatever they were trying to transact. And uh, a line that I found so compelling that I wrote it down is uh, when suddenly they encountered an, an authentic evil. They, they encountered something that was not part of this construct that they had built up for themselves. They encountered an authentic evil and they were rather helpless to combat it. Um, then she says that's when they went about the process of trying to learn this thing. And the line that I wrote down is she said, we took responsibility for the damage we did to faith. And I found that interesting in the sense that um, this film is also dealing with a kind of an erosion of of trust, a disintegration of of trust and faithfulness within a community to each other to systems, to a higher power, to anything. It deals with a disintegration of all of that. Um, But even if only in just that one line, there's a hint, a pointing towards that they've kind of done it to themselves. They positioned themselves in a place where something else could come in and and basically sweep them over because they didn't take it seriously when they had the chance, which is another broader concept that I find deeply compelling in the ways we talk about social ills or political ills or uh, the ways we talk about how uh, there are so many things, whether it be the rampant abuse of technology, I've mentioned the opioid crisis a couple of times, uh, the flights of fancy of rogue politicians who try to uh, maintain their own power by their own means. We do it to ourselves when we purposefully combat trust and try to disintegrate the trust and faith that we've all collectively agreed to support 
then uh, you know we have to a certain degree take responsibility for the damage we do to that collective trust, to that collective faith. Not trying to get preachy, but that, I found that compelling, and it's in you know text within the film. Um, you don't, we don't we know at this point you don't you don't have to try to it just it just kind of happens it just, just happens yes yes know. it's like it's like when evil lurks when lackey preaches you know it's like here we go. <laughs> buckle up everybody listen you're here you did it to yourself okay? lackey boy <laughs> um, well um I wanna, lackey. I wanna, lackey. wow wow Man, listeners tuning in for this episode, they're like, we get raw grandma, we get leaky boy, we get leaky lackey, we get just, oh, welcome, lackey. To, welcome to the show, everybody. Um, Happy so, New Year. Um, uh, we can maybe either pivot some of this into final summary thoughts. I guess I'll say before we move into fog meter and kind of close it all down. Um, if there's any big burning subject we we either haven't touched on at all. Uh, that somebody found compelling and say like, hey, I don't want to leave the conversation without mentioning this, it, whether it be something very didactic or something a little bit bigger. I'll give a brief breath to see if anybody has anything like that. If not, we'll move on to fog meter. Anybody got anything they want to add? I just can't uh, get over wha- whack-a-mole <laughs> rotten at the end. I <laughs> yeah. will say, uh, I think I think part of the effectiveness of the movie is how it embraces uh, a taboo, which is you know harm to children in movies a lot of times. Uh, you know, children won't be harmed, or if they are, it's not uh, shown clearly. But this movie, like, revels in it and embraces it to an alarming extent. And so I feel like, um, you know, and then even to the to the end where children are actively supporting evil, you know. So it's definitely, definitely hit on this thing of uh, the loss of innocence, um, yeah. which I think uh, was very effective for the movie. 100%. There's a line in the film where uh, Mirtha, again, I feel like I'm quoting her left and right, but she says, uh, evil loves children. And then she says, and children love evil. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> just, just going for it, man. The parent, I can attest to that. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I've witnessed it. I've seen yeah. it happen in my world. I love my <laughs> it's like it's like we all felt that that collective cringe where we're just like oh i can relate yes we love our children we love our children <laughs> um yeah so uh so i think i think we'll then uh move into our fog meter which are which is our specific and unique metric of how we grade these films not necessarily on their quality but on their gravity, on how much they ask of you as a viewer. And we do so by rating it, uh, as per the title of the show, by fear and God. Fear representing how scary or gruesome a thing is. God representing how substantive, thoughtful, or provocative the thing is. So um, uh, as our guests, I'm again going to let you guys go first. On a scale of 0 to 10, uh, what would, uh, Evan, I'll start with you, what would you give uh, give me both your fear measurement and then your God measurement. Two separate numbers for when evil lurks. I mean, using that metric, it feels silly to give it a 10 on each of them. But <laughs> it's like, okay, so I'll say 9.5 just because <laughs> saying 10 is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, can't, I can't think of another movie that is stupid that unsettling and also that like substantive in terms sure. of it takes itself. It just takes itself very, very, very seriously. And the movie's rewarded for that. So it, yeah, it, it doesn't, 
you can watch some movies where you're like, well, that movie took itself way too seriously because the filmmaking and the quality and the writing and everything wasn't up to the tone that it aspired to, but that is not the case here. This, this movie takes itself seriously and then definitely rises to the occasion. So at least on that, but also like, I don't really ever want to watch it again. So it's not like I'm, you know, <laughs> like am I giving the movie a 9.5? Like I, you know, so anyway, no, I get it. I totally get it. Um, AJ, what would you say for it? So this kind of falls into the like, not love for me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I tend to agree with Nathan quite a bit. Um, it doesn't quite stick the landing. I actually feel, I, I kind of feel like the middle third is just gold. Mm. Um, the first third is good and there's set up and it's interesting, but there's not like a ton happening until it sort of starts really getting into it. And then the, the last third did baby yeah. eating and grandma eating not do it for you? <laughs> <laughs> Something about, I mean, just, I don't know. It maybe became a little predictable. And I mean, you see what's happening with Dyer. And, and by that point, is the main guy's name Pedro? I mean, he's, yeah. he's already shown, you know, he doesn't listen to any women. Uh, he's just going to do what he wants to do. Like, and it gets, everyone killed pretty much. Um, yeah. So that's where it is. So I would rate the fear part. I mean, the middle third, if I was just rating on that would be a 10, but overall I'd give it a six. Okay. Mm-hmm. I would give it a seven from a substance point of view. I already kind of went Got through it. some of my, my kind of gripes with some of the, the stuff, but yeah. Sure. Sure. No, no, no. Totally heard. Um, Matt, what would you give it for fear and for God? Yeah, fear, um, like I mentioned about just kind of um, the gloves were off, were off. There was nothing off limits for the film, it felt like. So, uh, and there weren't even a lot, a lot of jump scares necessarily. It was just um, just horrific scenes. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, give it probably an eight on the fear. Um, yeah, that was, that was pretty high. Um, and then for the God factor, um it's hard to say. I, it doesn't feel like the movie has a lot to say as far as a broad s- scope, but it is very seriously nihilistic. You know, it knows what it is. It's just a long slog uh, from bad to worse by the mm. end of it. And so going in and knowing, you know, kind of where we're ending up and what the movie has to say, um, I'll probably say seven on the God meter. All right. Uh, Nathan, you're up. What would you give it for fear and God? Um, I think it's hard to not give it high marks for fear. I'm going to give a nine. I do think that it is very alarming. It is very transgressive, but I think to your point, AJ, I think it starts to become transgressive for the sake of being transgressive. It's like, oh, sure. Yeah. That too. You know, (laughs) it's like, oh, why not? Um, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, as far as the god meter goes i'm gonna pull back a little bit and land at a seven it's hard to it it's impossible to ignore the scripting aspects of what i think the movie thinks it have on has on its mind but i'm not right now one viewing in convinced it's doing more than just telling its story of to matt's language bad to worse like it's telling that story but i'm not positive what the point of view is you know, like, like, you know, are we all just rotten and screwed? And maybe that's the point of view and that's all there is to it. Um, but by the end, I felt a little disjointed 
from like, I don't, I don't totally know what you're trying to communicate to me anymore. Uh, other than shit's bad. Um, so yeah, yeah. I'm going to give it a, I think I said a seven on the God meter. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, for me, I am going to give both measurements and, and, uh, heard me talk about it through the episode. So I won't uh, overly belabor this now, but I'm going to give both measurements a nine, um, for fear. I feel like it's gruesomeness if you are unprepared. I feel like that is one thing to Nathan's point and maybe even to AJ's as well. Um, this film gets talked about so much. I feel like people who viewed it without much prep for what yeah. they were about to see might have been significantly more sort of uh, uh, taken aback by, oh, okay, all right, so we're going here. I mean, that Vicky scene alone, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> all right, here we are. Um, but then for me, a lot... Two, two viewings, each viewing a lot resonated with me about what the film had on its mind. Now, I will uh, I will not disagree that I feel like it, 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 it feels a bit muddled in the mythology towards the end, towards the last third. Um, there was a little bit of, okay, well, wait a second. Uh, how is that contraption going to stop this evil from spreading or anything? And I, I feel like that does get a little muddled at the end, which can undermine some of the things that I think it has on its mind, but my overwhelming takeaway was so much of what I've already addressed that just this feeling of uh, everything is disintegrating by our own choices rooted in ego and uh, rooted in our belief in more power than we truly have. And all of those kind of things I find very, very interesting. So for that, I'll give it uh, a nine on the substance as well. And that means collectively we have given when evil lurks an eight out of 10 on the fog meter, which, you know, considering as a heft measurement, I think that feels uh, pretty appropriate. We're going to kind of uh, change up the question that we normally have, which is, you know, a broad recommendation and ask something a little bit more specific. Nathan, I think I'm going to go to you first and give our guests a, a chance to think about this a little bit. The question is, what would you tell someone else who was thinking of watching this movie? What would you tell them about this movie? Um... <laughs> <laughs> and Matt, careful. what would you <laughs> two words? Two words. Leaky boy. Leaky boy. <laughs> oh, I thought he was gonna ask us what it was on the leaky meter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean 10, this obviously. this conversation has changed that question. You know, it's like now so I'm like, did you see when evil lurks? I'm gonna be like, oh, leaky boy, love him. Love that guy. Check that one out, you know? Um <laughs> little But if I'm if I'm being serious, I would just say exercise some caution it's pretty transgressive uh you know if you're wanting to check the box of of you know what's percolating in the conversation of of horror from last year it's 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 one to watch but it, mm -hmm. it merits a lot of caution certainly matt what would you what would you how would you answer that question buckle up <laughs> that's about it yeah <laughs> indeed indeed aj what what do you think uh i think i would say hey if you want you, if you want kind of a possession movie that, that flips the script a little bit and makes you think, yeah, it's, it's a good one. Mm -hmm. No, that's cool. That's cool. Evan, what would you say? It's a really good horror movie, and I never want to watch it again, so take from that what you will. <laughs> yeah, I think... And you're uh, the one who showed it to your kids. <laughs> I, I didn't know what it was when I did that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, kind of along the lines of, of Matt's uh, brevity, I think anybody that asked me, you know, well, what, what about this film? I would say, like, you really have to have a strong stomach uh, to be able to, and I think a, a strong emotional quotient, 
it uh, to not let it get under your skin a little bit. But at the same time, I do think it is very, very interesting. I think it's undeniably smart, even if it doesn't quite uh, hit the bullseye on everything that it's after. I think it's undeniably smart, smartly crafted, smartly approached. Um, and so, yeah, I think uh, that's that's what I would say for somebody who was possibly interested in watching this. Um, AJ, Evan, thank you so much for Absolutely. spending some time with us and talking about this film. Thanks for helping us kick off our year in the look back series of some of the, the best and most notable horror films of 2023. We wish you all the best with the continued final girl success. Love, love, love what you guys do. Thank you for taking some time to uh, help talk with us about it. Uh, Matt, as always, thank you so much. Uh, Nathan, thank you as always. Next week, we are going to be going to two places. Our patrons should prepare for episode two of Mike Flanagan's The Fall of the House of Usher. And you should also, uh, if you are game, read the Edgar Allan Poe short story, The Mask of the Red Death, upon uh, from which that episode takes its inspiration. So check that out for the patrons. And for everybody else, uh, we are going to a decided tonal shift from when evil lurks, um, but uh, still dealing with chaos unbridled. Uh, it's Cocaine Bear next week, everybody. We're going to be talking <laughs> about Cocaine Bear. Um, and uh, that is another film that quite took everybody by storm. Uh, we expect to have a lot of fun with that. And uh, thank you as well, listeners, as we say on every single episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. Thank you again, everybody. Listeners, we'll see you next week. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media and episode archive, essays, merchandise, and more. If you love what we do, consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast, where you will unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online events, and so much more. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of TracerMatula.com for our artwork. Our assortment of talented musicians, Andrew Nelson, The Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes. And to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music. Special thank you also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hi, everybody. <laughs>